Welcome to Dad's Outdoors. The podcast for dads that love to get outdoors. All right. Welcome to episode three of Dad's Outdoors. Um, it is uh, a New Year's. We are, it's the second day of 2021. I'm here with Sean. This is just going to be me and him today, but uh, Happy New Year, Sean. Happy New Year's to you, and I hope you had a Merry Christmas with your family. We've talked many times between then, but... We talk way too much, honestly. Uh, I know whenever my phone rings, my, my wife gives me a look and she says, tell Sean I said hi, because that's normally who it is. Yeah, I'm bad about calling often, because... Eric will text me, and I'm just not all about the texting game, so I'll just call him with the response, and then we end up talking for 45 minutes every time. Yeah, it's pretty close to that. So, Ready, we are literally one week out. Today is Saturday, so this time next week, we will be one day in on our four-day float on the Niagara River, so we figured we would sit down before we run out of time to record another episode. And we would just go into gear talk and maybe uh, a little bit of our uh, trip planning because it's coming up really soon. We are ETA is uh, we got what six days before we hit the river. Yep. Weather depending. Uh, we have been wanting the river to rise about a foot. It is now three or four feet above um, with suspected more rain. So if we have to postpone, I mean, it is what it is, but it's better to be safe than it is to be in a rush, really, especially this time of year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's one of the things that we've said before, that wintertime floats, you just you worry about everything just a little bit more, and you really got to watch uh, water gauges. Waterweather.gov is an incredible resource. Um, I'm watching two water gauges on the Niangua River a couple times a day. And, yeah, it's up two and a half feet from where it was two days ago. But that's kind of what we wanted because we were getting really close to be having to walk for a little bit. So it's, uh, it's good. We got some, some, some weather that came in and we'll just, we got to keep an eye on it. Last year we had to push it back a whole week because of a huge flood that came through. Yeah, actually that was like, well, that was like eight or nine feet or it was something ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bunch. It came up, I think it was nine foot uh, that weekend. And we were like, oh, it's a good thing we weren't on the river. And then turns out uh, the next the next week it raised six foot on us anyway while we were on the river. And we had no idea really. No, no. We just kind of started moving a lot faster as we were going out through the day because it, it kind of delayed. It rained for a whole day, and the water level was fine when we went to bed, and then it just kind of slowly came up the entire next day. Yeah, I remember the kayaks being about 15 feet from the water. When we woke up, they were about five, six. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so that was kind of a lesson learned on rainfall, that it really isn't the day of the rain. It's the day after that you need to worry about. So that was a lesson learned. Oh, yeah. So um, just coming off of Christmas and the New Year's, all the holidays, some of us has been wanting some gear or maybe have gotten some gear that we've been wanting. Uh, it does, doesn't always just apply to backpacking gear or kayaking gear is kind of where me and you fall in is we want to keep it small and light. But some people might have been one of the things like if they can afford it, some people might have got a camper for Christmas or something. So we're just going to kind of talk about what's been in our wish list and maybe share 
uh, what we've been wanting for a while and maybe what we've pulled the trigger on. Yeah. How about you, Sean? What, what, uh, what Santa Claus, uh, bring you this year or what did he, uh, not bring you? So I've been wanting an Optimus Polaris multi-fuel stove for about two years now. And I spend money a lot and I just have never spent money on that. But instead of spending the $170 on that stove, I spent about 200 and something dollars on two antique stoves that have nothing to do with that stove. So I guess I got what I want because they are multi-fuel stoves. I got the, uh, what is that? The Coleman 530 made in 1947. And I also got a new reproduction of the Saveo 123. Um, that was patented in like 19, like very early 19s, like 1910 or something. I don't know the date, but it was very early. Really? It's that old? Oh, it's way older. Yeah, it's older than Coleman, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. So what about you, Eric? Uh, well, you know, I or right before Christmas, I bought a Coleman 445A which is their backpacking stove from the 90s. It was a uh, new new in-box, never-been-used uh, 445A, which is something that they made for just a few years and then discontinued, kind of like that 530 that you picked up. It was a very limited production. Uh, and I'm a Coleman head. I've got way too many Coleman stoves, but I needed one more. And uh, then my, my wife got me a new... Uh, French press, a titanium cup, uh, French press. Cause I love my coffee. I wonder how she came up with that idea. Yeah. Text messages. I'm sure text messages and phone calls to you is how you get exactly what you want for Christmas. I think is how it works. Oh yeah. When you have two friends, her options are not very vast. One of us will know what you want. Yeah, that's sure. Yeah. It, you ask uh, my buddy, Justin, and he says, I don't know. And then message you, and then you probably know exactly what I need. Oh yeah, I it, well, if I don't, I'm also like, hey Eric, what do you what do you think you want for Christmas? And you're like, oh, something's fishy here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I knew something was up right away. I I was well aware of the that there was a game afoot uh, pretty early on into the conversation. But you know, it really doesn't matter to me as long as I get uh, something that I'll 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 find useful. It's really not that I care what I get for Christmas, but as long as I'll get use out of it, that's, that's really what matters and backpacking gear. And it's not even necessarily backpacking gear, but like you said, we like to keep it light, something we could pack down pretty small. Uh, Cause then it's a more versatile piece of equipment. You can get a lot of big stuff that is great for car camping, but is useless for anything else. So if you can find something that is multi-use or, just small enough that it really doesn't matter what kind of camping you're doing. If it can do a big pot of coffee and not weigh a whole lot, it's a win-win. You can take that anywhere. Oh yeah. I learned that in the military. Actually, sometimes less is much more. Sometimes when like you might have something that works exceptionally well for one task but it's huge. Like you're not, you can't do nothing with it. You have to have a freaking forklift to load it into your car. Not really. I'm exaggerating, but when you can have something that is a little less good, but can achieve the same goal, you might just have to work a little bit more. And I mean, minutes really, it's more versatile. You can take it more places and use it more. You'll actually get more use out of it, which actually, it makes me feel like it wasn't a waste. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. And honestly, uh, less is more is is definitely a good philosophy 
to keep while, while you're camping. I know plenty of people that enjoy camping and they love the outdoors, but they're, they're RV campers or fifth wheel campers. And well, they require a 50 amp service to run their air conditioners. And that really limits where they can go. And you would think something like that, a big uh, house on wheels, almost you you could go anywhere and be comfortable, but you're actually limiting yourself on where you can go camp and it cuts out a whole lot of gorgeous state parks and small wilderness areas that you've now gotten but it's kind of like having a huge jacked up truck they're a lot of fun but you got to find some really gnarly trails to have fun with a big truck you know what i mean oh yeah i mean you could put a lift kit in the front and lower it in the back and drive around the street Right. That would be, that'd be, you know, that's kind of what, what I like to do with my camping stuff. Just, uh, just enough to try and hold me, hold me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand. So uh, let's talk about how, so I got a new vessel for this year and this, I, I've done two trips on it. Um, I got a, what is that? An old town next. It's a 13 or 13.5. Um, it's a technically a hybrid. It's a canoe top with a kayak haul so meaning it's an open top kayak so basically it's a one person canoe but it uh i guess it's more it handles better supposedly um that thing is a pickup truck oh it sure is yeah and and honestly that's kind of you get to a a vessel that that is so universal as far as being able to pack it full of whatever you want to bring it's kind of hard to draw that line on what what do i leave home four day camping trip i could be you could be so comfortable with the amount of stuff you could pack into that boat well the first year that me and you did it in the first year that me and my uncle did it actually i did bring alcohol last year but it all spilled out the night of like the before we even got on the water so me and justin split about a pint of mixed liquor which did not do anything for us because it all leaked out of the bottle yeah. And you know, this is one of those trips where where heavy drinking isn't isn't something we do all day, but it's nice when you get to camp and that fire's rolling and to sit down and kind of, I don't know, reflect on the day and enjoy a drink and it's uh it's kind of, I don't know, it goes hand in hand for me. I I enjoy a drink. I've got a glass of wine now and you know, uh what with, in moderation is what they say. Yeah, in moderation. Um, this past overnight we did a couple weeks ago, moderated myself because I bought a 12-pack for two alcoholics. Right. Didn't last us long. No, no, somebody screwed up there. You guys needed, I bought a 12-pack and I came home with beer. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever, Eric. I'm sorry you don't have problems. Yeah, you know, I've just, I'm just, I'm the old man of the group. You know, I'm not much older than you guys, but I am. I'm way out of my 20s now, and you guys are on the back end of them. Oh, yeah. So getting back on subject, because we kind of went down a rabbit hole there for a second. Um, the way we, the way I pack my old kayak, which was, you know, I had the sealable compartments, the back compartment. So the way I did it is in, I had a three-bag, 20-liter system. I got this off of YouTube somewhere. It was actually a great idea. In one bag, I have my underquilts, my bedding. Basically, my sleep system is in one 20-liter bag, and the other 20-liter bag is um, is things like my camp chair, just 
the extra stuff that I don't really need out on the water during the day, but I need it at camp. Like all of that type of stuff is in the other 20 liter bag. And then I keep one 20 liter bag in the bow of the boat between my legs, but further down. And that has the things that I would use throughout the day, like my stove, um, my food, the rain jackets, first aid kits, toiletries, like uh, consumables, things like that. And the new vessel that I have, it really doesn't matter. I can put it anywhere and I can get it anytime I want because it's open top. But I do have one of them uh, fancy $300 Yeti duffel bags that I bought that you made fun of me for and you keep making fun of me for over and over and over again. Well, it's it's justifiable. It is. It, you know, Yeti, as, as good as their products are, it comes with a stigma of I spent too much money for whatever that product happens to be. But it is a nice duffel bag and you could literally throw it in the river and let it float for a mile pull it back out and all your stuff still dry. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are willing to spend that kind of money for a reliable duffel bag. It just doesn't happen to have that Yeti label on it. And I just, I fall into that crowd where I just never feel like Yeti is worth the price tag, but they do make quality stuff. Yeah. I mean, I did have options when I bought that bag and I was on the phone with you and I was like, these bags just don't seem as good. And it I mean, sometimes I can be materialistic. That's true. I admit it. It's a bad habit. Uh, but that day, I don't think I was being. I really just wanted a good bag. Like I was like, I want a nice bag. If Walmart Ozark Trail made a soft cooler that I liked and no one else did, I would have bought the Yeti. But instead, I just bought an Ozark Trail cooler because I'm not too good for that, Mr. Eric. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. And it is, it is a, a, a damn good duffel bag. It is. Um, uh, and some of that comes from jealousy. I think across the board, when, when people yank out 10, 10 Yeti products and, and they're holding ice for 10 days and their mixed drink never gets warm on a July afternoon, there, there's a little bit of jealousy in there, just a hint, except for I'm just way too cheap. Uh, I find myself unable to justify the cost, but once you pull the trigger on gear, I think whenever it functions well, because I mean, I've done it with my family camping tent. I've got a Kodiak canvas tent and most of the people I go camping with cannot justify spending six fifty to $700 on a tent, but it is the last tent I will ever purchase unless it doesn't fit my needs anymore, but it will last a lifetime and I can give that down to my son or my daughter when they want to go camping with their family, because I know I bought a quality piece of equipment that'll last more than my lifetime. That's kind of how our Tilly hats are. Like you got me onto this Tilly thing. I've been kind of following your lead about it. I got, actually you bought the wrong size against my suggestion. I bought the size I thought I was going to need. It was each hat was still too big for us. And we did like a trifecta swap between our other buddy, Justin, which was in the last episode. And I'm still waiting on my hat. But he was complaining. He was like, oh, I thought that was a $60 hat. I said, no, Justin, we both told you it was a $100 hat. And he was like, oh, $100 for a hat? Are you kidding me? I'm like, it's the last hat like that that I will buy. Like, I don't need another one. It, it has a lifetime warranty as long as the company's in business, which it's a pretty established company. 
as long as that company's in business, you pay once and you cry once. Like that's you're done. Oh yeah. Oh, I I completely agree on the Tilly. I bought that Air Airflow or I think it's Airflow or something like that. And my wife got me that for Father's Day beginning of the the season, and I wore it all summer. It, it didn't if we were going outdoors or uh you know, camping or floating, whatever. It didn't matter if I was going to be in the sun, that Airflow hat was on my head. And it was comfortable all day and it was awesome. And then it came down to my birthday and she asked me what I wanted. I said, I need a Tilly hat for the winter. And it's been incredible. They call it a three season hat. And it definitely is a, I don't even know if it's a three season hat. I think it's a one season hat. It's so warm. It's a winter time hat. That's about it. But people buy beanies all the time. You know, you want a warm winter hat. Uh, that Tilly is incredible. Oh, in my opinion, it is far better than a beanie. For one, it doesn't put, it doesn't make my face, my head feel like constricted by the elasticity in the beanie. I don't know. I just don't like beanies too much. And it also protects you from sun, from rain, and it is extremely warm with or without the ear flaps. If the wind's blowing, put the ear flaps down. I mean, it's, there's nothing. It's just good. Like, I don't know how to put it. It's good and it's worth the money. I don't want to sound like a salesman, but buy, pay once, cry once is how I feel. Yeah. I, I heard about Tilly earlier in the year listening to an old podcast. They're discontinued now or canceled or they've, they've, they're, they've run their course. It was uh, my first 40 miles. It was a couple that did a podcast and they did a review on a Tilly hat and they just swore up and down about it. And I was just like, they can't love a hat that much. And after spending just a weekend in mine, it, I completely agree. I had it for that backpacking trip you and me went on in, uh, what was that? Uh, Memorial Day when we did that section hike of the Ozark Trail. The hike float? Yeah. Yeah. The hike float Memorial Day weekend. That was, it was awesome. Just have that protection from, from the sun and it didn't overheat me and it was, it just great. It was one weekend and I was sold on the brand. Really? I had it. I got it for father's day almost a month early so I could have it for that trip. Oh yeah. Speaking of paying once and crying once or gear that is just now that you've had it, is unreplaceable like what would you say is unreplaceable now that you've experienced what it can do for you no matter the price it doesn't matter if it was a dollar or three four hundred dollars oh a, a good tarp honestly when i got my uh what is it? it's a chill gorilla off of amazon it's a veteran-owned company but their stuff's made overseas and they seem to like most companies that use chinese manufacturing they, they run in batches and you can get things and then they're either changed or gone. And I can't seem to find that tarp anywhere anymore, but it was quite a bit cheaper than most, but it was still a, a over a hundred dollar tarp. But I took it to Indiana last October and it, and you were there downpoured for days. It was just incredible. The amount of rainfall we had and it just performs. Those doors work great. It it a good winter tarp with doors is well worth it for hammock camping. 
and I don't take any other tarp with me anymore. Not even the summer. Yeah, I take my winter tarp with me, and if I don't want the doors, I just I have bungee cords with mitten hooks, and I just tie them back, and it's just nor it's kind of like a hex tarp at that point. But I would have to agree with you. In Indiana, me and my wife came with me to a gambler in Indiana, and it rained like the entire weekend, like the whole time. And it was one of our first setups with the double hang, the uh, the spreader bars from Dutchware, because we both have chameleons. You don't have to have chameleons, but um, and I had like an Eno ten foot hammock with an or Eno ten foot tarp with two eleven foot hammocks. We had to use like some random piece of tarp that we found, and I had to cover like the front half of like I have to extend my tarp. I didn't get wet. My rigging actually worked, but. I would have to agree with you that a good tarp, good rain protection in general, is well worth the money. You might not think about it while it's not raining, but when it starts raining, you're going to be like, damn, I wish I would have spent that $40 more or whatever it is. You're not going to regret it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's And I, I know there's a lot of backpackers that count grams, and I know a hex tarp is lighter than a, a, do- a tarp with doors, but... You just never know which way the wind's going to shift and what way the wind's going to start blowing that rain right into your, your shelter. And those doors, that little bit, it's an extra yard of fabric is worth it when you're, when you're dealing with uh, a piece of fabric, that's 1.2 or one, 1.4 ounces per square yard or square foot. When you're counting, you're counting uh, just a few extra ounces to have that protection. And I won't go without doors ever again. I really won't. And, and getting that length right because those double, and mine is an 11 foot tarp, I think. And it just clears me and me and the wife on our spreader bar, a 12 foot hammock or 12 foot tarp would work better, but it does cover us. We did it for that hike float. We had it up when we were at the the campground and it just, yeah, it, that's it. Like you could, you could pinch pennies all over the place. You could buy the cheapest hammock. You could buy the, the cheapest under quilt if it will work for the temperature, but a good tarp is well worth its weight in gold. I think also a rain jacket is paramount. Like it is equal. Oh yeah. Like good. Just rain protection. Yeah. Yeah. Rain protection for sure. Uh, I learned that last year in January when we had that whole day of rain and I couldn't find my raincoat before the trip. So it rained for a whole day and I had this $5 poncho. It was a frog tog $5 poncho, like one of those emergency ponchos. Cause I knew as soon as I got home, I was going to find my raincoat. So I was like, I'm not going to spend the money. And I ended up as soon as I got home, I, I talked to other people, outdoorsmen. There's a couple guys at work that fish. They crop the crappie fishermen. One of them's a semi pro. They're out all different weather, all times of year. And they recommended the Frog Tog uh, guide gear backpack. It's their uh, Pilot 2 is the backpack. They've got a Pilot 3 now, but the Pilot 2 was what was out when when we were talking. And yeah, after after a whole day of getting rained on, and that when you turn your head and all you see is the hood 
you know, an adjustable hood, it makes a difference when you could cinch that thing down and it just becomes part of you and you could, it's not a cumbersome, noisy, terrible thing that you're just barely protecting yourself from the rain with. Oh yeah. So let's touch on the fact that we keep kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit, but let's touch on the fact of how you pack your two person kayak. Yeah. Last year I had a sit on top kayak. So it was kind of like what you're dealing with now where things can just go anywhere. I had two dry bags behind me uh, with my quilts in it, and then everything else was in a 70-liter backpack sitting in front of me, sitting in a trash bag. And then I had a milk crate with all of my camp gear in it. So my stove and canned goods and all the other things that you would need at camp were in this milk crate in the back. Uh, This year, I've got to sit in tandem kayak so sitting in front of me where a person should be i've got a five gallon bucket and i've managed to with my new stove and a couple of different odds and ends that i've picked up this year i've got just about my whole camp system in that one bucket including my hot lunches my stove uh, my saw my grill and uh, coffee pot cook pot i've got a whole at my water filter there's just so much stuff packed into just this one five gallon bucket and it's got a screw top that you recommended from i got it from lowe's but they just snaps on a five gallon bucket and it's got a screw top with an o-ring and i i just have that thing cram packed and then up in the bow of the boat i've got my quilts in two dry bags and my hammock system is up in the shelter, I've got in a one gear bag. It's the hammock, ground cloth, and tarp, and all the stakes, and everything else that I could possibly need. My full shelter is in one bag, and that's all up in the bow of the boat. And that's it. The back of the boat is empty. I've got everything up in the front to kind of balance out the the, the boat. And uh, it, it, I think with that overnight that we went on, it worked out perfect. I really couldn't ask for an easier system than that. Oh, no, it seemed to work out just fine. Um, Speaking of that overnight, you introduced me to some uh, delicious meals that did not cost $8 a piece. No, they were uh, about three bucks is, is all that meal cost. It was, I've been dabbling. Any, anybody that's friends with me on Facebook has seen, some of my meals I've been eating for lunch at work and I've really gotten hot and heavy on the, the tuna creations, the sun kissed tuna creations, microwavables. You, you, they've got uh, snack packs, but then the microwavable packs have just so much more in them. They're almost, they are basically a meal by themselves, but if you add them to either like uh, a, my favorite is the green curry tuna pack and it's got, uh, curry, chickpea, not chickpeas, but it's got uh, rice, black olives, peppers, tuna, and like three other ingredients that make this meal. And then I add that to the chili ramen. And not everybody knows where to find chili ramen, but it's incredible. And you mix that with that green curry uh, tuna pack, and it's just awesome. It's my by far my favorite budget meal because you're looking at, 250 for that tuna pack and and 25 cents for the ramen 
and it's a filling meal. You ate one on the, that overnight. Oh yeah, it was absolutely delicious. That is a much more cost-effective method than just going to the camping section of Walmart and buying Mountain House meals or REI or wherever camp stores near you. A um, what is that next to you? Academy Sports. You have Academy Sports. I'm not sure what other people have, but uh, it is much more cost-effective, and you get to play around with flavors. You get to add what you want. Don't add what you want. Things like that. So you get some more tailored meal prep than just buying off-the-shelf Mountain House meals. But oh, with yeah. that, the Mountain House meals are convenient, but really the way that you got your stuff dialed in, it's really not any more convenient, honestly. Maybe just less packaging. That's about it. Yeah, really. The, like, And I know with backpacking, you know, nobody wants to carry water. And that's just a, a thing. Nobody wants to carry water because it's extra weight. And most of the stuff that I've kind of compromised on, those tuna packets, those things are not freeze-dried. They're not dehydrated. The rice is cooked. All the vegetables are cooked. Everything's ready to eat right now. So it is slightly heavier than a freeze-dried meal. But before you get to camp, you need water anyway. So unless you're camping at a water source, which is convenient for some people, but most of the time, like our backpacking trip this year, you are still filling up before you get to camp. So if it's one less, if it's four ounces less that you need at camp, you're still carrying that same four ounces. If you can just figure out how much you actually need compared to what you would need for a mountain house, because you're still carrying all of the liquid either way by the time you get to camp. So I've just, because you, you introduced me to ramen bombs last year, you know, the ramen with the instant mashed potatoes and some spam. And I just kind of started running with it, trying to find different options that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, because it is, it's prepackaged stuff that you throw together. And this year, and I'm really excited about turkey dinner. We're going to have a turkey dinner this year. I bought a, a one pound can of chunk white meat chicken a single serving size can of uh, sweet corn and then i've got uh, a packet of instant mashed potatoes and a packet of turkey gravy so it's that instant stuff that you just mix with water and i'm going to combine all of that we're going to have a, a turkey dinner and it really for a float trip that's eating incredibly well. And yes, it's more than you would want to carry for a backpacking trip. But realistically, the only difference is the, is the corn and, and the chicken. And if you could split that between a couple of people, because this is a meal I'm going to feed Sean with. If you could take that pound of chicken on, on the backpacking trip and I take the corn and the potatoes and gravy packets, you know, you're splitting that burden and sharing an incredible meal, which I think at the end of a long day of hiking, when you're, you know, walking, you know, you're traversing the, the Ozarks or the mountains anywhere. I think a, a, a good meal at the end of the day is just well worth it. Oh yeah. There is nothing in the world like eating something after a just rigorous day. And that's more hiking than floating. Cause honestly, 99% of the camping trips that me and you do are on waterways. So I guess 
they're sort of lazier. I just prefer waterways. But we don't have to carry anything. Our vessel carries our water weight with us. Like, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people, and we go about it in a slightly different way than a lot of people that do overnight floats because we kind of have that idea in our head about going lightweight and trying to make it as minimal as possible, you know, and you kind of pushed me in that direction because all your stuff right at the beginning was all backpack. Everything you had was you could take everything you, you use for camping and take it on a backpacking trip. And I was mostly car camping and I made it work for everything else that I did. So we've kind of met in the middle because you've seen my meals and you're just like, ooh, I need I need a little bit more of that and a little less of this spam and mashed potatoes. We've yeah, like you said, we've kind of met in the middle because like I had backpacking and you had car camping. Now me and you are like a both of us now are like a hybrid. We're both like hybrid camping, I guess you could say, because we use still use a lot of backpacking gear, like our mugs and our stuff like that, just like basic stuff. We're starting to add commodities such as like beer with cooler. We're going to bring like aluminum foil and butter this year with fillet knives because we're passionate. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is we're adding more um, more gear that we don't have to carry, so it's really not that big of a deal. Whereas my mindset before is I had to be minimal. But I'm starting to kind of to go away from that. And our idea is a lot different than most people that we encounter's idea of that. So most people are like, wow, you're going camping in the wintertime. You're going to freeze. You're going to die. And me and Eric are usually like, no, we're actually going to have a great time. We know we will. Kind of like at the, the, yeah, at the scouting party, it was pretty cold. And everyone's like, wow, you're going to sleep outside? Gladly, like happily. <laughs> like this is what we want. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. The only reason I'm here is because we get to camp a little bit. Like that's that's kind of just it's what I enjoy. It and and it's any kind of camping, really. Uh this just happens to be and we've kind of started the podcast in the off season of dads outdoors other than just the dads cuz I know come springtime it's going to be a lot more family oriented episodes cuz the family starts going again. Normally it's just, it's you, me and, and my son, Mark, and that's about it. Wintertime camping. Uh, but rest assured people, we do take the family camping and we, we will be going with everybody else, but this is our time because we've just kind of come to enjoy that quiet and that it's not solitude, but it is at the same time because it's, it's, it's you, me and, and a few other guys but it's it's you and your boat and it's and you're you see more bald eagles than people and it's just this this awesomeness that you don't normally get on our riverways that you, it's ours we know when we when the boats hit the water saturday morning we we're not going to run into anybody else on the water for 4 days cuz in this world of connectivity and overpopulation and and the age of COVID where my campgrounds are overcrowded with all these people that are trying to get outside. And I understand it and appreciate that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to 2021 being a year 
of more quiet campgrounds for me and my family. Everyone complains about 2020. It was probably one of the most self-growth and fun years I've had in my life. Granted, I was one of the lucky ones that was essential, and I maintained a income the entire time. But 2020 was a pretty cool year for outdoorsy and just doing stuff, honestly. Yeah, as far as getting my family outside, this honestly opened us up more because we were trying to avoid things like crowds and people and 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 not really avoiding companies, but like float trip companies and stuff, you pack onto a, a bus and they shuttle you upstream and stuff like that. So we did a whole lot of doing it on our own. So even when you and your family weren't there, it was just me and, and the wife and the kids. We just took two vehicles and, and ran our own shuttle. And it just, it's what it took for us to get outside that day. And we did that a lot. And it was really uh, an amazing year for spending time. And I think everybody can reflect on that. Time with the family really was was more and more quality of it this year than in years past. And like you, I was essential and I had to work. There wasn't a day that I got to take off extra. We, we, we expected, we were expected to be there and, and had to be there. Well, other than the fact you're a state worker, but yeah, I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to work there. So it might as well be me. And, uh, between you owning your own business and me being a state worker, it kind of opens up a lot of time for us to hang out. I mean, in the summertime, the spring, summer, and fall, I mean, obviously I am more busy, but like right now, I mean, my guys are about to go on layoff, honestly, and so I'm really going to have time to do whatever I want, anything. Oh, hey, Eric, are you working on a Wednesday at 9 o'clock in the morning? All right, I'm heading down. To bring up family and stuff, we both have wives that work hard and and they they help us be able to live the the dream that we're looking for and i really i don't think i know anybody else that has it as good as you and i have it honestly as far as being able to do what we enjoy when when we want to not that we leave wives behind constantly or anything but we've gotten together with with women that enjoy a lot of the same things that we enjoy and we've raised children to enjoy the same things that we enjoy and it's good positive stuff getting outside and it just it makes everything when when it's hard to do a lot of the stuff the things we want to do are easy because all we got to do is get outside and i know that we're pretty biased about float trips because that's that's our gravy. That's what we like to do. And that that's not all I want this podcast to be about. I want to talk about, you know, car camping. I have a camper, so maybe I can maybe we could talk about RV camping. Um, but like you said, I think it is vitally important to basically do what you enjoy. Don't live your life in the shadow of other people, even if they're your kids. Bring them with you. Like if you like doing something, whether it's it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't even have to be outdoors. If you like going bowling, get your kids into bowling. Teach them what you know, and you'll have better quality time with your kids and family than if you don't do what you enjoy because of certain stipulations. So I think it's vitally important that you do something that you enjoy. Do something because really life's not worth living if you're not doing 
what you enjoy. I'm not saying fuck off all the time, but at least try to get out and do what you enjoy because that is very important to be sane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I don't know what it is about camping. I don't know if it's just being able to this age of smartphones and stuff like that, just that unplugging that I enjoy. And I just literally have tied everything that I like doing. F- time with the family, we go camping. Motorcycle rides, we go camping. Kayak trips, we go camping. I mean, uh, gambler off-road trips, we go camping. I mean, it's just it's just that time where you just wind down and aren't chasing anything. There's nothing to chase. All you got to do is worry about that next meal, and it's usually hours away. So there's not a whole lot to worry about. Uh, speaking of car camping, uh, I did get this awesome new uh, barbecue grill. It's a steak steak and rack barbecue grill. You just drive the steak into the ground, and you it has this grill with an angled hole in it, so it kind of holds tension on that rod, and you can swivel the basket off of the, the fire. And it's replacing my Weber grill this year. It's all going to be open fire camping, camp cooking for us this year, for sure. Yeah, so um, in the future, things that we'd like to touch on, like I said, is RV camping, um, motorcycle camping. Me and Eric are trying to plan a motorcycle camping trip down in the Ozarks, down in Arkansas. Uh, We want to touch on things, um, just general outdoors, like maybe talk to fishermen, things like that. If you guys have any suggestions please do not feel shy to give us suggestions we're just uh i'm a redneck i guess we're both kind of rednecks just talking talking to a microphone to each other so if you have anything that you'd like to hear our opinion or our our experiences with please do not feel free to to uh, let us know or even if you feel like you've got input for the show some some kind of edge or little niche group of outdoorsmen or there's a couple other names that they have now. Conservationalist. There's a lot. Whatever you'd love to do outdoors. And if you've got a story to tell or just even just something that you feel like other people need to get into. Overlanding. It's something that I don't do, but I would love to hear about somebody's overlanding experience. I watch way too many documentaries on that stuff, but I would love to talk to somebody about overlanding. And we're on Apple Podcasts now. That's a new development. You can find us on, uh, Z- what is it? Um, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. There's, we're, we're almost everywhere you could find podcasts. So if you're going out of your way to listen to us on a uh, platform that you're not used to, check your normal one because I think – we're probably there by now. Uh, for whatever reason, we, we've been uh, given access to uh, a wide variety of platforms to, to speak off of. Uh, for whatever reason, but you know, people might want to listen to me and Sean. Maybe I know uh, we've had. We're almost at a hundred listens. We're at seventy something. I don't know. It's exciting to me. It's really not about the numbers. It's really I'd love to connect with people and get them outside. And I would just. We've got a lineup of people that we're going to have on and talk about stuff. We're going to talk about camp cooking with Greg Thurman in the next episode. And uh, sorry, Greg, we kind of skipped over you this month, or maybe we'll do two in January since it's so early. But the next episode, we'll have Greg on, and we're going to talk camp cooking. He is 
a uh, Dutch oven uh, Zen master. I just really want to thank everybody that has given us a shot because I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, I think what we bring to the podcast environment is not very different from other people, but it is as, as genuine as anybody else is doing it. And I just want to thank everybody for coming in and sticking out with us with our audio issues. I feel like we're on the path to getting a good quality product out to you guys, uh, even though you're not paying for it anyway. Uh, I do want to try and bring something decent for you guys to listen to. And I just want to say uh, thanks. Even though most of our listeners are personal, close friends and family, there are some of you that have no idea who we are. And my goal, our goal, me and Eric's goal is that when you're listening to us, we want you to feel like you're sitting right next to us telling you a story. Yeah. So if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you feel like we're doing something wrong, or maybe you want to give us a pat on the back about something we're doing right. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and that'll actually get us out to more people, and that would be awesome for the channel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.